You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space Podcast with Phil and Erin. And we are glad to have you here with us today. This is a Wednesday episode podcast. And on Wednesdays, we like to share interviews and conversations and thoughts. And sometimes they're small episodes, sometimes they're big episodes. It's kind of our opportunity to share and go deeper with you on random things. So today, Phil is going to share a story that was really life-changing for him that happened while he was living abroad. So he was a young, what were you, 19 something? Young whippersnapper. I think you might have just been 18. You were, you were small. Small? I was the same <laughs> not, height I am not now. In, not in size or stature, just you were young. I was like Zacchaeus. You were... <laughs> okay. We were so dating at the time. We were dating. We had been dating for what, four months and then I, I think we both had jobs the for the summer and didn't see each other and then you moved to Israel and uh so we survived the the long distance but Phil's story today that he's going to share takes place in that context when he was a young guy college age living on his own in Israel and he managed to get himself lost yeah you know for if some of you who know me on a personal level have probably heard this story before, but our, you know, I was going to school there and we traveled to Jordan. And it was really interesting because when I lived there, there was a travel advisory in Jordan concerning being out at night, especially in a city like Amman, because the State Department wanted you to know that people could kidnap Americans and Westerners as hostages for ransom. So just to be careful. And young Phil believed he was indestructible. So Oh I am. I'm no pre- doubt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still he here. sees I'm pretty sure he saw travel advisories as like challenges. <laughs> yeah, an opportunity for adventure and for story, see? And look now, we wouldn't have this story without it. Well, praise the Lord that you are back home alive. Yes. It was terrifying. Anyway, continue <laughs> on. So he went to Jordan. So we're in Amman and we hear that the largest starbucks in the middle east is in amman jordan now us students thought wow well we've been away from home for quite a while a starbucks sounds pretty good which i know is lame right you're in a foreign city the last place you should be going is never a place that i consider lame (laughs) no that's true so yeah so we wanted a taste of home right so all these students we we get a couple taxis we had no idea where the starbucks was right we have a hotel in this one place in the city and the starbucks is just liable to be yes, in exactly. one place. <laughs> yeah, and the Starbucks is just somewhere else, right? So kind of like the concierge person calls some taxis for us, tells the, the drivers where we want to go, and they take us there. And we all order our drinks. We sit. I mean, I have pictures of us sitting in the Starbucks. Maybe I'll use one of them. Um, I'll put it up on Rua Space. But we're all drinking coffee, hot chocolate, tea, whatever it is, talking. And as the night wears on, you know, different groups of students are leaving and heading back to the hotel. Me not realizing that all of the bilingual English Arabic speaking students had left and just a few of us were were remaining there talking, 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 hanging out until finally the Starbucks closes. Kind of a, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here situation. So we walk out of the Starbucks, we go to the edge of the street and we think, okay, I've seen this in movies before. You wave your hand. 
you whistle, you know, and the taxi pulls up, tell them where you want to go, you hop in, in a few minutes you're where you want to be. Well, in Amman, Jordan, doesn't really work that way, at least not back then, for white non-Arabic speakers in this one part of town. So we are standing at the edge of the street and taxis are just blowing by us. And the few that did stop, they would entertain talking to us for a minute. But when we would say, hey, you know, here's the name of our hotel, then they would drive away because they literally didn't know where our hotel was. And it started to sink in after a while of doing this, that this was actually kind of a little bit of a dangerous situation because it's the middle of the night in a foreign Middle Eastern city. And now again, this is, you know, this is 10 years ago, right? I mean, the world wasn't even the same then as it is now. And we're thinking, well, great. This is the exact situation for our mugshots to show up on Fox News and CNN tomorrow of missing Americans in Amman, Jordan, and people, you know, pundits and talking heads saying, how did these kids manage to get themselves into this situation where they could be taken, right? So we're standing on the edge of the street and I'm starting to get a little more concerned because there's just a few of us there and we have no idea where we are. Like it's not even a situation where we can start walking and people are passing us, no one's helping. So we were literally just standing there like out of options. And after, I don't know if it was 30 minutes, an hour, all of a sudden, some teenagers start walking down the street toward us. Now you have in your mind, State Department, like be weary, people who look different, people who live in the Middle East, you know, they're out to get you, everyone's out to get you. And they come up to us and they speak English. And they said, what are you guys, you know, what are you guys doing here? And we said, hey, we're trying to just get a taxi back to our hotel. And they just kind of chuckled. And they're like, yeah, it's never going to happen right here. This isn't really a place they stop. And this, you know, they don't know what you're saying. So these kids who speak English and Arabic, they were local Jordanians. They say, well, we'll help you. So they get a taxi to stop. But they have kind of the same issue we did in that they know the name of the hotel, but not they don't know where it is. So they're trying to just explain to this driver and he's saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. They don't know the city. Right. And this is before all the GPS stuff. So they say, OK, you know what? Get in. We're going to call our friends. So some of us got in one car with one guy and some got in another car with the other guy. Again, I don't know where they're going to actually take us. Right. Like. We don't know what they're saying. So they call their friends on the phone. They're trying to get it. Finally, we're driving around the city. We're thinking, who knows where the heck we are. Finally, there's our hotel in the distance. They got a hold of another guy in the phone who knew where to take us. They pull us up to the hotel. Relief that in the morning, they're not going to be searching for me. I can actually get a little sleep. And as we pull in, I say to the kid, you know, who is younger than me. I mean, I'm a, like you said, I was 18, 19 years old. He was probably 15, 16 years old. And I said, well, you know, how much do we owe for the trip? And what he said is something I'll never forget. There's just these moments of clarity you have in life where you can literally, like I can instantly put myself back in the backseat of that taxi, looking at this kid, looking at the dashboard. And he says, don't worry about it. It's covered. And when we're in America, you can buy our cab fare. And that is a moment that changed a lot for me. It helped me see the world suddenly in a different way. 
and it was happening in, in congruent with other events in my life of living in the Middle East. But in that moment, I realized there are, of course, bad people in the world, right? Bad things happen. In Amman, in Jordan, in a lot of Middle Eastern countries, bad things can happen to Westerners, absolutely. But the majority of people in the world are just people. People like you and me with a story. People who are just trying to get through life with relationship, with hopes and desires and dreams, with joy, with some fun, with meaning. They care about their family. They care about their kids. They care about their parents. They care about their friends and brothers and sisters. They're just like us. And so someone who I had sort of been taught should be feared, that I should be constantly questioning, skeptical of them, is the person who came to the rescue. It's like the parable of the Good Samaritan to me, that the person you wouldn't expect is a person who comes out of nowhere and saves you. And so that just hit me that we live in a world, especially now today, where if you're on the wrong side of the political aisle, if you're the wrong color from the wrong part of town with the wrong education or the wrong viewpoint or the wrong religion or lack of religion or any other number of boxes we like to put people in, this just blew them all up for me. Because it was no longer about those labels, but about the fact that we are all made in the image of God. And it was like they were inviting me to see the world differently. They were inviting me to listen differently, to love differently, to be accepted differently, to serve differently, not to look at these other things that we like to look at as humans, especially not to look at them with fear, but to say, look, we're going to serve you and you, and I'm never going to see those kids, right? If I saw them now, I'd have no idea who they were to pay for their cab fare. But there is a sense in which now I am invited to have eyes that were just like their eyes. They could have walked past us just like everyone else did for that hour. But instead, they had eyes that saw us and then engaged us. They could have been in just as much danger as we were. We don't know. But they took that step. They loved us. And it changed my life. And then I was invited to say, have that same eyes for other people. People that you're told to be skeptical of, people who are different than you, people who drive you crazy, people you're told to fear, see them as the child of God that they are and invite them to something different. And that doesn't mean bad things can't happen. The story could have ended very differently. For other people, that story does end differently. So we can't be stupid, right? But we are invited to love abundantly to live with those open hands. So brothers and sisters, I guess my invitation for you in this story would be to see the world with slightly different eyes today. To live maybe a little bit riskier, a little bit more Holy Spirit led, with new glasses to see people how God sees them. And maybe to overcome a little fear today, to serve an enemy a little bit differently today, to serve a stranger maybe a little bit differently today, and be just invited into this freedom of God's kingdom where all are loved, where all are seen, where all are understood. I believe it can change your life, and I believe that's the way forward as people 
if we're truly going to do this thing called humanity together on this earth. So brothers and sisters, may the Holy Spirit today bless you with a little bit of a softer heart, a little bit clearer eyes, and a little bit more open ears to see, to hear, to be loved, and to love. Grace and peace be with you.